Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning, 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific, and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. When David Wilson's young wife falls victim to cancer, he is left with a, as a, to be a single working father with a sole responsibility for caring for an autistic son. Patrick, who prefers to be called Poe, is a gifted but challenged child who, has, who, is, who is very close with his mother and is unable to communicate on his own sense, with his own sense of loss. As a father and a son, they struggle to deal with with the aftermath of their mom's death. This is a, uh, the film is called Poe, and the director and the producer of the film are joining us today, and that was John Asher. John, welcome to film school. Thank you so much. I need film school. This is exciting. <laughs> we'll try to get you, I'll get you at least an honorary degree uh, on your way out here today, okay? <laughs> awesome, yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much, and tell me, I, I will say, Poe feels like a very personal film. This feels like a very personal story. I don't know if this is something you have experienced in your life, but I think the film is told in such a way that it really does convey a sense of urgency to it that uh, I, I that I felt when I was watching it. Tell me where the story came from, John. Um, well, my, my son was diagnosed with autism when he was two and a half years old. Okay. Um, and I was going through a divorce in 2005 simultaneously. Mm. Uh, so a sense of everything was lost in my life was definitely happening. And, uh, I had to move out and I, I moved in with a roommate. I hadn't been with a roommate in so long. And his name was uh, Darby Parker. And he gave me a script and it was Poe. Mm. And it just so profoundly rocked my world that I knew I had to make it. And, uh, that was about nine years ago. Wow, another overnight sensation here on on film school. Look at that nine years. Wow, what is what is a journey yeah. like that like for for you as a filmmaker? What is what does that feel like? Did you know it was going to take a, it was going to be a heavy lift to get this done, or did you just what happened? <laughs> I guess. Uh, I mean, I think that I just felt like the story had to be tell, be told because it was so close to home, and it just resonated right. so yeah. close with me. And Colin Goldman, who wrote it. Uh, it's a it's a story that's based on Steve Roberts' um, actual life, mm-hmm. and uh, I just when I read it, it just oh, it just punched me in the stomach, and I was like, everybody needs to hear this, like everybody needs to know what's going on, and I just felt really alone. I think a lot of parents with autistic children feel alone, like it's you know how is why is this happening to me? Why am I the only one? Um, but I didn't. No, I no. I always uh, my approach with with filmmaking is let's go make this movie. I don't think for a second, uh, much like life, if you don't see it happening, then it's not going to happen, um, regardless of how long it takes. I mean, I know it was a long journey, and a lot of the battles I kept hearing was, you know, nobody wants to see a movie like this, or you know, it uh, it feels too small, or you know, it's not a comic comic book movie. So I just wanted to uh, just keep pushing forward. And a lot of companies kept optioning it as the years went on. And I thought it was out of my hands at one point. So I went on and made a bunch of television and ridiculous comedies and 
it magically came back to me. So I got very lucky. Well, you know, this this period of time you're talking about, this nine-year process, is it coincides with a, a period of time in sort of the social zeitgeist of people becoming more and more aware, not only just of autism, but the, the increasing occurrence of autism. So there's been so much. There's been so much swirling around this particular situation condition. I don't know what's. The, I want to be you know correct in, in describing. But yeah, what? it feels like it's turning into an epidemic. Really, I mean, it's yeah. just it's. Uh, it when when my son Evan was born, it was one in one hundred and fifty children, and now it's one hundred and sixty-seven. One sorry one sorry it was one in one hundred and fifty, and now it's one in uh, sixty-seven. Yeah. So the numbers are raising exponentially, and which is, um, which has been something that has uh, not only made it a, certainly a higher profile awareness of it, but it's also politicized it. It's it's it, there's a lot of things, a lot of push and pull around this particular um, disease. What what what, what, can, what do I call this? It's is it not a disease? I, I don't know what. Tell me what you how you describe uh, autism. Uh, well, it's interesting because you know there's it's it's a spectrum, right? Which is really large uh, right. from zero to ten, mm-hmm. um, and I I would think zero would be somewhere around Asperger's, mm-hmm. um, and and ten would be somewhere around you know nonverbal and non-communicative at all. Right. Uh, whereas Pat Poe, his character is probably a seven, so he's kind of high functioning, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, and my son is, is very high functioning. Uh, he's probably a four on the spectrum or a three. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's certain things he needs help with, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it runs the gamut. Um, yeah. Well, well, let's, let's get into the story. First of all, let me remind our listeners speaking with the director and producer, John Asher of the film Poe. It opens here today at the Lemley Music Hall three in Beverly Hills. You will be there with, uh, along with Julian Feder, Fed, Feder, pardon me, Feder, yeah, uh, Julian Feder, who yeah. plays Poe in the film uh, tonight at the seven thirty screening, as well as tomorrow night, and it looks like Sunday for the two thirty screening at the music hall. Yeah, and Limited. other cast members will be popping in and out, oh, excellent. you know, periodically. So it'll be cool. Um, yeah, I think there'll be more than just me and Julian tonight. It'll be good. Well, so let, let's talk about this, the film itself. So I described mm-hmm. it at the beginning, but I think it bears recapping. So tell us sure. sort of the bare bones of the story and so how it unfolds. Um, we open um, with the passing of David's wife. He loses his wife to cancer. And he is an aeronautical engineer working on an airplane um that can solely run on electricity. And he's trying to design the wings and the fuselage that can carry 90 passengers and, and, and do it efficiently. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of lost focus on his son because his wife's been taking care of him. And now that his wife is gone, he, he's bound with the sole responsibility of not only bringing in the money, but also taking care of his son. And it's kind of, it's, these two have to re- relearn to get to know each other. And I think it's a daunting task for the father. He didn't realize how much his wife was doing. Mm-hmm. And now that it's all on his shoulders, he's at a point where he might lose his job and he can't, you know, you know, 
decide what's more important, my work or my child. He's going back and forth. And, of course, his child becomes the most important thing in his life. And he can't get through to Poe because Poe is starting to slip into his imagination world. And he's not he's starting to get less and less communicative with his dad and he's, and he's slipping away. And it's up to the father to pull him back through this kind of proverbial window. Um, and they always say this with children about autism and this early, early diagnosis is the key. And if he doesn't pull him through this window, he will lose Poe and he right. won't get a chance to, to bring him kind of into our world. Um, ultimately the movie's about love and about never giving up, you know. And for me, it's a it's a, a love letter to my son. Right, and I like the films, sort of the way that you handle a lot of the the situations that come up in Poe's life and in David's life are uh, dealt with in a in a, in a, I would say subtle way because it, there's there's issues of bullying that occur in school because. Poe is, as he you said, he's high-functioning enough to be mainstreamed, as they say, in the educational realm. Uh, this, the issues about just what you said, the sort of – I hadn't thought about it in the way that you portray it in the film, but this idea that you can lose – if someone who is of the world, who is struggling to connect with the world, it's easy to understand how they would drift off into a, into a world created within their own mind. That's, that's easy, but I hadn't thought about it in the way that it brings it up here in Poe, and I thought that was – well, that was great. I think it's a safe place. I think yeah. it's a safe place. I think most of us would like to be in that world, anyways. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's it's true. It's kind of a safe place, it you is. know. It's. it's a, I think that's what it ultimately is, and I feel like I learn every day just by talking to my son and hanging out with him. Um, when he, you know, it, it's all about as parents is about getting rid of your ego. I think and just really just focusing solely on your child and, and that mission to connect with them and let them know that it's okay on this side, you know? And it's also, it's also another positive of the film is that, that David's struggle to sort of continue a career. He's willing to do what he needs to do in order to be a good father. Uh, and there are other institutional issues that come up with schooling and with child protection agencies involved. It, it's, an, it's easy to see how all of these things would play into, especially a single parent dealing with all these things. It would be tough enough yeah. for, for, a, for a solid married couple to be dealing with something like this. But the way that uh, David is able to navigate this and, and his portrayal, by the way, I want to give some uh, – I want to talk about a little bit about Christopher Gorham. Uh, I thought he was terrific. Brilliant. Yeah, and yeah, in in sort of portraying the sort of even-handedness, uh, it it felt like you know it felt like this is the kind of person this is this is how real life is. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Uh, well, and, here's an interesting thing, not to cut you off, yeah, but please. I just did. I apologize. It's your show, but <laughs> I will tell you this. Yeah. <laughs> um, when we went to uh, lunch to meet uh, Chris and I. Uh, about halfway through the lunch, he said, hey, listen, I just want you to know that my son has autism as well. Oh, my. So, yeah, we started having a lot of magical moments like that. Um, so Christopher Gorm's son has autism. Colin Goldman's son has autism. Steve Roberts' son has autism. My son has autism. Um, uh, Andrew Bowen, who plays Jack in the movie, his son has autism. Mm. And then the craziest story of all is is how I met Burt Bacharach, and oh, his cool. daughter had autism. 
So we were all connected. Wow, and really he, interesting. And, and Bert contributes. Bert Bacharach contributes music to the film as well. Yeah, he composes the first film he's ever composed in 16 years, wow. and his. I mean, it's beautiful. So. Wow, and also while we're on the subject of just sort of the the sun that is shown on Poe. We winner of the for best actor at the Albuquerque Film uh, and Media Experience, outstanding achievement in film at the Newport Beach Film Festival, best feature film Palm Beach International Film Festival. It's been an award-winning film. So for all of the the trials and tribulations of getting this thing to to uh, made and getting it in theaters and distributed, wow, huh? Must feel yeah. It's go ahead. It does. It it really does. I just uh, the the reaction from the audience has been the most heartwarming thing for me. Um, as a filmmaker, I mean, uh, the I think it's all about timing. At the end of the day, when you talk about this kind of eight year journey, I don't think if I hadn't had the amount of television experience I had, um, you know, I directed One Tree Hill for about six years, so uh, that kind of television world is a lot different than the feature world and the amount of money we had to make Poe uh, really had to be shot kind of on a television schedule I mean we shot the movie in 18 days yeah. and we shot about 12 and a half pages a day so <laughs> wow. we were flying I guess um, so. so that you know I don't think it's all about timing I don't think I would have been prepared to make a movie like this if I hadn't gone through kind of my own film school as it were. Well, that TV is a great, I, a great boot camp for the just the kind of schedule you're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, congratulations on it. Um, now, again, I want to remind our listeners that you you will be there as well as uh, Julian Fetter, uh, who play Poe, who plays Poe, at, at the Music Hall Theater, Music Hall Three in Beverly Hills. It's right there at Wilshire. So I think somebody said it's Doheny and Wilshire. It's it's a great spot. You're in Beverly Hills, for God's sake. Uh, and yeah, it's uh, ninety thirty six Wilshire Boulevard. Yeah, ninety. Okay. And it'll be showing all until uh, December first. And it's you know regular movie times: twelve p.m., two thirty p.m., five p.m., seven thirty p.m., and ten p.m. But uh, I'll be doing the Q and A's at the seven thirty p.m. showing. So what is the reaction? You you mentioned earlier the reaction among audience members uh, from others, like film festivals and things that you've been at. Well, I, you, yeah, we had a really amazing experience. The, the movie had its world premiere in Panama. I never thought I would be in Panama ever in my life, but here I am. And they're put on a beautiful film festival. And we had the first showing of the movie. We had a 1,500-seat theater filled and at the end of the movie, I walked out, and it was a standing ovation. And I couldn't – I've never had a standing ovation for anything in my life. And I was like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> and at the end, mothers were coming up to me, and they were crying, and they were holding me. And they said, in, in our country, we are um, taught to be ashamed of children like this, and we have to hide them. We're not supposed to – they don't eat dinner at the family table. We just keep them hidden. And she said, you have to show this movie to the government. So obviously it had a huge impact in Panama. Wow. And then as we went on and we kind of traveled the rest of the country, uh, when we got back to the States, the same thing was resonating just as far as the impact it was having on people. It really strikes an emotional chord with people and kind of resonates with them and sits with them. 
Um, you know, and I didn't really make the movie for 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 families with autistic kids to go out and watch because I know their lives are hard enough. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really made it for kind of the typical families out there to watch so that they know what we're going through and that they can have a little bit of compassion and understanding and also not to be scared when they see one of our children with autism in the mall. You know what I mean? That they could maybe look at them instead of being spooked, look at them and smile, yeah. you know, and know that that kid doesn't even know they're standing there and doesn't really care. You know what I mean? Right. That they should be a little more engaging. If anything, I feel like children with autism want to say hi. Yeah. You know, it's a, they don't want anybody to be scared. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the message I think maybe you picked up on that last scene at the pier when, yeah. he's, when he's talking to his dad. But I don't want to give it away. But yeah. anyways, yeah. But yeah. 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 So, well, it's a terrific film. And uh, thank you, John, so much uh, for the film. And thank you so much for finding some time to... To be here at film school, yeah, you, and, know, you know what I want to do. Sure, is this like this is a real film school? Is this a real film school? No, this it's is just, exciting. It's, <laughs> it's your film school. It's my film school, and uh, I I, be, I bestow upon you your honorary degree from my fake film school. So thank you, <laughs> Th- thank you. That's very. I appreciate it. I feel honored. <laughs> All right. Well, John Asher, producer, director. And Father and uh, all of the people that have been involved in this project, thank them for me. And uh, I wish you all the best. The Lemley Music Hall 3 Theater in Beverly Hills tonight. Uh, you'll be there at 7.30 tonight, tomorrow night at 7.30, and then the 2.30 screening on Sunday. And there will be cast members aplenty. John, thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.